I am not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I will also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's God's word. Let's give Austin a hand for reading the scripture to us. Man, I really felt it. I felt like I was there when you were reading that, man. That was, that was, uh, that was good. Morning, everybody. It's good to be with you today. Um, I'm Kenny, one of the pastors here. If we haven't met, I hope to uh, meet you before the end of the day. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, um, we've had something uh, a little bit different here in our city the last few days. Um, sunshine, yeah, I guess. Anyone just like want to be out, like 
All right, so who lived through that week of rain, right? Were you here? That was crazy, man. Oh, my goodness. People having flooding issues. I don't pay the weather rent for that, you know what I mean? Anyway, so it's beautiful. Glad to be with you all today. Um, Last week, uh, we talked about, we're in this series on the Gospel of John. We talked about um, the beginning of this chapter last week where Jesus serves his disciples by washing their feet and then calls them to, to also wash one another's feet and, and to serve each other. And we see that even though Jesus knew this was his moment and this was his time and this was a very important time, what he did was he took the position of the lowest uh, servant and showed them what it means to serve. And so serving was last week. And this week, I want to talk about love. Everyone say love. Love. Because... What the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? All right, you guys, know, all right, you're with me, all right. We're, all, we're already in agreement that uh, <laughs> what we need is love. Um, how many would agree with that? Yeah. How many um, have felt the turmoil and the upheaval? I, I, we don't have a lot of peace right now from day to day, do we? Is anyone feeling that? Your conversations with your coworkers and your neighbors and your families and your friends, what's coming through isn't always love, right? Especially right now. Um, But today I want to talk about the love of Jesus, and I want to talk about the love that he tells us that Christians uh, are commanded to have for one another because our world and our city needs the love of God. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, if we can agree on that, then I can keep moving. <laughs> Our city needs the love of God. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with God's plan on how they're going to experience that love. But according to this passage, part of that has to do with you and me. Right? Because what, what does he say? A, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this will all people know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another, if you love one another, that people who don't know Jesus are going to begin to know Jesus by the way that we love one another. All right, so let me ask this. How's that going for you? (laughs) Unfortunately, we're going to get to Facebook here in a minute, I think. (laughs) No, but how's that going for us? How's that going for us? Our people, how's that going for us as a church? How's that going for you in your life? When people look at the way you love other Christians, are they compelled by it and want to know what Jesus is like? Are they seeing the love of Jesus in the way that we forgive one another when we misstep? You guys with me? Are they seeing the love of Jesus in the way we treat one another when we disagree? Right? Because whether we've ignored it or whether we've forgotten about it or whether it just kind of gets pushed to the side, we have to talk about the love that Jesus calls us to have for one another because Jesus didn't say, I give you a new suggestion. Love one another. (laughs) Did he? I mean, you guys read it. My Bible says, I give you a new command. Love one another. And it's in obeying his command 
The plan of God is that in obeying this command to love one another as he has loved us, that's when we're actually going to taste what real true love is like. We're going to connect with the love of God in a much deeper way than if we only love those who love us. And it's when we obey this command that we're actually going to taste a little bit of heaven on earth here in this broken, messed up world. It's in obeying this command that, 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 like Jesus said, when we love one another as he loved us, other people are going to see that. And you can't hold people away from that when they see that, even if they don't believe. They say, I want to be around that love. Man, it got quiet. <laughs> All right, so if you, guys are, if you guys are with me and we're going to talk about love today and, and loving how Jesus loved us, I want to focus the rest of the talk on three main points um, and kind of divide up our time between that. And, and those would be how we fail to love one another, how we should love one another, and how we can love one another. Sound good? All right. All right, all right, all right. What the world needs now. <laughs> First, how we fail to love one another. All right, let me start this point by saying we're not perfect. <laughs> Slow clap. <laughs> Stands up in the back. We're not perfect. I, I don't think any of you were under false illusions that, that we are perfect, but we're not perfect. And the other thing I would say is that there is a lot of love already in this room. The love of Christ, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the love of Jesus on display among people in this room. Through conflict after conflict after conflict. When people have been sinned against and yet they, they seek reconciliation. I've seen that. That's here, right? But we're, we're not perfect, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is perfect, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to live in this sort of way. But as a church and individuals, we've got room to grow in this. Would you admit? Would you agree? I, I have room to grow in the way that I love you. <laughs> um, I'm just trying not to like point at someone in particular. <laughs> <laughs> but I have room to, to grow in the way that I'm loving my brothers and sisters in the way that Jesus has loved me. And I would say that one of the best measures to know how well you're obeying Jesus' command here is to ask yourself, how do you treat the people who have wronged you? How do you treat the people who have wronged you? And how do you treat the people that you know are wrong? I'm gonna say it again. <laughs> how do you treat the people who have wronged you and how do you treat the people who you know are wrong? Because, newsflash, it's going to happen. People are going to sin against you. You are going to be wronged. It's part of the human experience. It's also part of the human experience to know that you're right about something and for someone else to be wrong on the same thing. Does anyone relate to that? Right? I grew up, um, singing a lot of church choir music, and we had, uh, th there was a line that I would hear in a lot of different songs, and it was always like in one of those like church beats. It was like, I've been lied on, I've been cheated, 
I've been talked about, mistreated. <laughs> Anyone ever heard that? Yeah. Anyone relate with that? Yeah. Okay, all right. I've got a few people who can relate with that. But that would show up in all kinds of different church songs, and it's usually an ad lib part. But what they were doing was saying, God's been good to me through all that, yeah. right? So when other people may have wronged me, but God's still good. <laughs> whole reason I did that with the foot stomping and everything is just to remind us that we have experienced that. We've all been lied on. We've all been cheated in something. We've all been talked about behind our backs, and we've all been mistreated. And if you haven't yet, you will at some point. But, but the, the, the question is not if it's going to happen. The question is, are you going to respond with the love of Jesus when it does happen? When a Christian brother or sister has wronged you, do you cut them off or do you seek reconciliation? When they sin against you, do you cut them out of your life or do you pursue them with the truth and love? Because if we look at Jesus in this story that, that Austin was reading in this scene, one of the first things we see is how he loves those who have wronged him or who are about to wrong him, right? This is the, this is the scene of the Last Supper. Jesus is with the 12. He's, he's already, the, the passage says earlier in the chapter that he knows that this is the time that he's, gonna, uh, that, that he's gonna return to the Father, that he'd come from God and all things are in his power. And yet, what does he do with that power? He gets down and he serves them. And he says, this is how, uh, this is how you should live. This is how you're supposed to follow me. But what happens in the beginning of what we read today? There's someone there who's sharing a meal with him who's going to betray him. Judas. And Jesus knows he's going to betray him. And just notice, first of all, that Jesus didn't kick Judas out of the room. You guys see that? Knowing full well everything that Judas was about to do, that he was about to turn him in to die. And how is Jesus treating him? With love and even respect and honor. And when he thinks about that Judas is going to betray him, it says that he was troubled, that he was visibly upset, that the other disciples didn't know what was going on, but he said, one of, one of you is going to betray me. Right? I want you to feel that tension in the room a little bit because the passage indicates and, and other, the other gospels indicate that they didn't know who it was going to be. He says, one of you are going to betray me. And like, they're like, is it me? But how well did Jesus love them enough that they didn't know it was Judas? You guys seeing that? Yeah. We're tracking? That even though Jesus says, I know he's going to fulfill this scripture, even though he's close to me, he's one of the 12, he's going to fulfill Psalm 41.9 that says, he who broke bread with me turned his heel against me which in that culture, breaking bread together was basically saying, I'm your friend, I won't hurt you, right? He that broke bread with me has turned against me, and yet he's still there breaking bread with him. And then you've got Peter, the boldest of the 12, the, the close friend, he's in the inner circle of Jesus. But Peter, Jesus knows, is gonna deny him three times before the end of the night. Peter doesn't know that, <laughs> Peter's like, I would die for you, Jesus. Jesus says, 
sure about that. <laughs> You're going to deny me three times before the morning. And in the middle of that, in the middle of betrayal and denial, what do we see Jesus doing? He's laying the groundwork and the framework to say, love one another. He predicts Judas' betrayal. He pre- predicts Peter's denial, and in the middle, he's telling us what it means to love one another. When people are wronging you, or even when they're just flat out wrong, are you loving them? Are you looking at them in love? Are you seeking reconciliation in love? Does that describe you? Does that describe the culture of our church? Because if it doesn't, that's where we're disobeying Jesus' command. You guys see that? How do we love those who have wronged us or those that we know are wrong? Someone mentioned Facebook. Don't look at Facebook. <laughs> that might be a good strategy <laughs> sometimes, right? How, but I did want to say, how do we square this, this command from Jesus to love one another with our Monday through Saturday Facebook feed? Guys, Get here, pen drop. <laughs> no, I'm saying, how, how do we love one another? With the current political climate and the, and the current turmoil and upheaval, there is a lot that we can be genuinely agitated and upset about. All right? I want to say that from the beginning. There's a lot that we can, with righteous indignation, be angry about. Okay? But we need to be angry about the things that are submitted to Scripture. We need to make sure that not just because we think we're right, we know we're right. Like Peter, we're not just saying, no, Lord, I died for you. I know this. Jesus says, no, you're wrong. Right? When we're righteously indignated, first of all, we need to know that what we are upset about is what God's upset about. But secondly... I'm not here to take sides on issues. I'm here to talk about how we talk about the issues. All right? Because it's easy to throw rocks and just kind of peep up, boom, and then go back to our corner. Right? It's hard to lovingly discuss important issues with the truth of God in the center. But that's what we have to do if we're going to obey Jesus' command. It's easy to argue, it's difficult to love one another through division. What unites us as followers of Jesus is not that we agree on everything. What unites us as a church is not our race, it's not our political party, it's not our social status. What unites us is the blood of Jesus and that we are His that we belong to Jesus. Are you guys with me? God forbid if we love our issue more than we love our brother or our sister. Right? You, you can have an issue. It, it needs to be submitted to the word of God. This is our authority. 
and the Spirit leading us and guiding us. You can have an issue, you can stand for it in love, and you can shout for change, but the tone of your voice needs to be love. Right? The attitude in your heart when you're calling for others to change needs to be love for them. All to, it's all too easy for us to see someone who's wronged us or as we see is wrong, to vilify them or demonize them or just see them as the thing that we disagree with instead of a person that Jesus Christ spilled his own blood for, just like he did for you and I. Are we on course? (laughs) I know this is a little bit heavy, but I feel like we have to go there. As a church, guys, we have to. We have to. If we weren't following Jesus, it would be okay just to just to just to love those who love us. Just to love those who treat us how we want to be treated. But we wouldn't be the church. We are following Jesus. He loves those who have wronged him. He loves those who are clearly wrong. So we can't be okay with just splintering ourselves along the lines that the enemy would use to divide us. We can't be okay with that. If the world weren't looking to us to know what it means like to be loved by Jesus, then it would be okay. But the world is looking to us to know what it means to follow Jesus. So it's not okay. Are we there? We have to love even as we stand up and even as we speak for the truth. We have to love. We have to love one another. It's not just Facebook. I brought up Facebook. It's not just Facebook. (laughs) We all know Facebook wasn't around when Jesus said this. (laughs) But it affects Facebook. But But it also affects our relationships. Spouses, it affects how we love one another and how we forgive one another. When we wrong each other. So how many knows that we're, we're prone to and bound to wrong one another or sin against one another at some point. And yet, the mark of a Christian is not how we love people that treat us perfectly. It's how we love people that treat us imperfectly. And so we're called to love and forgive. And I've seen that over and over in this church in marriages in this church, in friendships in this church, I've seen people who, if they did not have the love of God in them, would probably never talk to each other again. And yet, when we obey the command of Jesus to love one another as he has loved us, what do we see? Reconciliation. It's beautiful. We see a little bit of heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, everyone do this with me. Just inhale. Exhale. Okay, yeah, we got through the hard part. That's how we feel to love one another. Let's talk about next, how should we love one another? How we should love one another. One time, we famously had a guest speaker 
come to our church in New City when we met at the high school. And he said, he said, don't let people should on you. You should do this. Oh, you should do that. Oh, you're doing, you're doing that wrong. You need to do this. Right? So I don't normally like to should on people. <laughs> and this, this point is called, how should we love one another? But what we're dealing with here is a command from Jesus. So I think we have to talk about what should that look like. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. I don't know if that was appropriate. But <clears throat> Let the record show that I said it anyways. What does it look like to obey Jesus' command here? He says it's a new command, right? Well, I thought we already knew we're supposed to love each other, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's all the way back in, in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God, right? But he says, here's what's new about it. It's not based in how we love ourselves. It's based in how he's loved us. This is a new command I'm giving you. Love one another as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. So what does that look like? To know what that looks like, we have to start. Well, how has he loved us? Verse 31 of the passage, verse 31 and 32, I want to look at real quick to answer that question, how he, had, how he has loved us. So Judas has gone out, and then Jesus says this. Excuse me. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Did, did you guys hear a word there a lot? Is there a certain word? Glorify. Glo- okay, glorify. All right, just making sure I didn't make that up. Um, that's in there five times in two verses. And what Jesus is saying is, what is about to happen, the events are about to unfold are going to reveal the real me. You're going to see the real me and you're going to see who God is in me. And you're going to see what God's heart is for humanity and what is for you. And what is he talking about? The cross. This is the last night he's spending with them before the cross. He goes out. They go to the garden. He's betrayed by Judas in the garden. He has a trial that's just a mockery. He's, he's falsely convicted. He's beaten beyond recognition. And then he's crucified and he dies. And the cross, to anyone who has gone there and in anyone's thinking in that day, is a disgrace. But the way the Gospel of John puts it is this is this is the glory of Jesus, not the disgrace of Jesus, that he's the king and this is the first view we get of his throne. This is how he is glorified and how we see his heart for us and for his followers that he would die for their sins. What does it mean to love like Jesus loved us? It means loving until it hurts. Not a superficial surface level, oh, I love you, bro but a sacrificial love. A love that when it comes that time, it's going to cost me in order to keep loving you. That's the way he loved us. Not a conditional love, like I'll love you as long as we're cool and it doesn't get too awkward or you don't say anything mean, right? Not a conditional love, but an unconditional love. 
Not because of how you treat me, but because of how he has treated me. You guys see that? That kind of love is what we're after. That's the kind of love the world needs. I think a lot of times we're guilty of loving conditionally, and it would be okay if we had the right condition. <laughs> but we love based on how you treat me, not, not based on how he's loved me. It means being patient with one another. It means being quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to anger. It means being kind to one another. It means sacrificing for the needs of someone else. Not being shallow with our love, but loving each other deeply, even through conflict and seeking reconciliation. Amen? It means forgiving one another when someone has wronged you. And it means respecting one another when you disagree sharply. A love like that is beautiful. Would you agree? A love like that, oh my goodness. Has anyone ever experienced that? In Christian community? I know some of us have. That's from God. It's not like that in the world. It's not like that apart from Christ. That's the kind of love that Jesus wants us to have for our own good and for the good of people who don't yet know him. So that's how we should love one another, but how can we love one another? How can we do that? Because... Uh, Because we're not dealing with fake wounds here. I hope that you guys hear me as I'm talking today. And I know it's quiet today because I think it's real. <laughs> but I hope that when you hear me talking, you hear the love in my heart for you and for our church. And I hope you don't think that I'm lessening the wounds that some of you have experienced, even from people in this church. I don't... And, and I hope that you don't hear that I'm lessening and saying, oh, no, that's not important. We don't need to stand up for that. I'm not saying that. The wounds are real. The arguments are real. The differences are real. And, and if that's real, then how can we truly ever be able to love one another like Jesus loved us? Because, okay, maybe we can love them, another, maybe we can love them but if it's based on how they treat us, then it's... it's we're never going to love this way because as soon as we get wronged, we'll, we'll just kind of pull back or push them out of our life. We'll cut ties and we'll lick our wounds and we won't go after reconciliation because all the love was there, but it's gone. <laughs> or if we love because we're supposed to, well, Jesus says that we need to, so <laughs> how many think that's going to end up well? <laughs> right? We're going to love begrudgingly. 
Our love will be shallow and it'll be superficial. It might even be fake, it won't, but it won't be genuine from the heart loving you as Christ has loved me. So how can we truly love one another as Jesus loved us? And it's only when you see that he loved you when you were wrong and when you had wronged him that we're able to love how he has loved us. It's only when we see ourselves as the betrayers and the deniers that Jesus died for that our love will truly be free to love those who even betray and deny us. You guys see that? As I was reading this passage, I was thinking, especially for those of us who've been around church for a while, there's part of me that would like to think, I'd, I wouldn't deny him if I was there, if I was here. If I'm with Peter and Judas, I'm in this, I'm in this scene that we read. I wouldn't deny him. Or, no, that wouldn't be me. I, I, I don't want Jesus to be put to death. But the fact is that Jesus died for us when we were his enemies. When Jesus died, he died alone. There was no one on his team cheering him on. There was none of us that had been faithful and loyal to him. Judas, one of the 12, left him. Peter, one of his inner circle, denied him. John, who was there next to his side and said, who's it gonna be, could only watch from a distance. His family's not even mentioned till the end where he's about to breathe his last. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, when he went on the cross, he died alone, completely betrayed and denied by the whole world, including you and including me. And yet he went there out of love to die for those who betrayed him and denied him. Until we see that he was betrayed by us and denied by us and he hung on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Only when we really see that and grasp onto that are we going to be able to say, look, look at how he's loved me. How can I not extend that love to my brother or sister? How can I not love them? Romans 5, I have this scripture up there. I just want to read part of it. Romans 5, 6 says it this way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for those who had it all together. Christ died for those who looked the best. Christ died for who? The ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us. Is it up there? Okay, you guys weren't saying it. <laughs> God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's skip to verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? 
Jesus went to the cross because of the times that I've denied him with my life. Not as an exception. No, that's why he went. He went for the times that I've said that I'm with him and then I've betrayed him. He died for the times that I said, yes, I'll serve you. I'll go with you all my life. And then I go out that week and I fall into the same sin that I can't seem to get away from. That's why he died. Not because we were on his team cheering him on and saying, yeah, Jesus, we love you. No, while we were enemies of God, while we had wronged him and we were wrong, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly and that's how he showed us his love. When you were an enemy of God, he was so faithful to God and he loved you so much that he died for you to reconcile you to God. Amen? When you turned on him like Judas, he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be poured out so that your sins could be forgiven and you could be called righteous and you could share in the bread and the wine in his righteousness. When you denied him like Peter, he stayed faithful to you on the cross, not denying his own, but loving you to the very end until it was finished so that he could show you grace and that you could bless others with that grace. Amen? Amen. Only when we see how he loved us when we were enemies are we going to be able to love our own enemies. Even more, our own brothers and sisters. I want to close with this. You know, elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus talks to Peter, and Peter's name means rock. And he's talking to Peter, and he says, Bond this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's basically saying, Peter, you're going to be an apostle. You're going to be preaching the gospel. You're going to be leading the church when I'm gone. And Jesus, you know, when, when, when Peter denies Jesus, it's not outside of his plan. He's not surprised by that. He knew. <laughs> He's not like, oh man, I, I named the wrong guy Rock. <laughs> right? No, he knows. He knows. But he says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. I want you to think about the fact that after Peter denied Jesus, after that day, everywhere he preached the rest of his life, everyone there knows this guy denied Jesus when Jesus needed a friend most. But Peter knew that Christ died for him even for the times that he would deny him, to forgive his sins, and so that Peter could stand up and say, I don't stand here because I'm perfect. I don't stand here because I'm right and all of you are wrong. I stand here because even though I was wrong, Jesus died for his enemies to bring me in. Amen? We're only going to love one another as Jesus loved us when we truly see how much he's loved us. And when our hearts get full of that truth, we can't. it just overflows, y'all doesn't it? It just overflows. We can't help but seek reconciliation when a brother or sister sins against us. We can't help but extend grace to those who irritate us or disagree with us. And the world can't help but know that we truly follow Jesus because we're loving one another, not how it's comfortable or how it comes natural, but how it's unnatural and supernatural because it's how he loved us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you God, I thank you for a love so great we can't deny it, Lord. God, I repent right now of how often I've devalued your love for me, God. How often I've taken for granted and thought that I'm righteous in myself, Lord. And I thank you, God, for the the Holy Spirit, the illumination of of, of your word, God, that, that tells us no, There is none righteous, no, not one. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that we deserve death, Lord, for sin. But instead of us taking that death, you took it upon yourself on the cross, Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. God, I thank you that the cross, which is a disgrace to us in our worldly way of thinking, Lord, when we see someone put to death, It's a disgrace. But Lord, you willingly laid down your life to show us your glory, to show us your love. You said, this is how much I love you, that I won't even keep my own blood. I will let it be poured out for you. God, I pray that someone in here who has not yet believed the good news, God, that you would awaken their heart right now. I pray that you would awaken faith in somebody to say, Lord, I turn from my sins and I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God and that you rose again, that you died to forgive me of sins. God, I pray for this church. And I I pray that my words today have not been harsh or out of hand. I pray that they have been made in love. And I pray that your word, God, more than me, that your word would speak to us, God. And that you would apply to our hearts and to our culture and to our marriages and our friendships that you would apply this word, God, that that we need it. It's not just what we should do. This is actually what you've called us to do for our own good. This is your way out of the muck and the mess and the mire and the brokenness that Satan has brought into this world and that our own sin has brought into this world, Lord. This is your way out. To be baptized in your love and then to share that love, to just let it flow through us to others, God. I pray that that's what the world sees. God, I pray that when people in San Diego look at New City Church, I pray that that's what they see. I pray that they don't look at us and say, oh, that's a liberal church, or oh, that's a conservative church, or oh, that's, oh, that's a rich church, or oh, that's a poor church, or whatever it may be. God, I pray that the thing that unites us would not be all those things, that it would be your love, that we would be known as your disciples because of the way your love flows through us to one another. And God, I pray that it would just extend out, that it would flow out. God, we know that this building isn't the church, that we are the church, and you've called us to this city during this year for the good of the people in the city and for the good of people who don't yet know you. And so I pray, Lord, that we would repent, that we would turn to you, that we would breathe in your gospel and your, and your news, Lord. Let it speak into us today, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.